Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. America and happy Saturday. Wow. Washington is still buzzing on Saturday morning. Why? Because in 48 hours, the government's either going to shut down or not. All the signs are that Kevin McCarthy is going to work on some deal to delay the shutdown, get those 12 appropriations bills that he long promised to get done, which aren't done yet, although about half or more are done and about 70% of the government's already funded. Get them all done and then send it over with a win on changes in border policy and spending. We'll see if that plays out at the top of the show, though. We've got a great report. A man who came out of the last meeting with Kevin McCarthy and told Justin News exactly what was going on. He's the chairman of one of the most important oversight committees, subcommittees in Congress. He's a congressman from the great state of Wisconsin, where I spent some of my career. He is Congressman Glenn Grothman. He's going to join us at the top of the show. Amanda and I had a great conversation with him. Late last night, he'll bring you up to speed on all of the machinations of to shut down or not to shut down. That is the question that Republicans must face. And then Cash Patel, my good friend, he's got a brand new book on government gangsters. It's not only many anecdotes of how the government's weaponized, how politics has seeped into places it wasn't meant to seep into, intelligence, police, law enforcement, prosecution, National Archives, health. He also has some very prescient ideas for how you can fight back against a weaponized government. How can make some changes? He's got a big one talking about impeachment, but not of the president, a profession that isn't often impeached. Uh, you're going to want to hear that. It's a really great interview. And we'll talk about all of the revelations, the big reveals in government gangsters. And then we'll finish up with a guy whose clients changed the course of history. The men who I think single-handedly scuttled the Hunter Biden plea deal, and now I've gotten him indicted. Maybe he might be indicted a second time. Tristan Levitt from the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center, the lawyer for Gary Shapley and the other whistleblowers. He's going to join us in the back end, and we'll talk a little bit about why what the Ways and Means Committee has done in the release of these documents are so important. All right. That is our Saturday show. Hey, before we go to commercial break, as you know, everybody's been worried about the stock market, worried about returns, worried about the volatility we've seen. In fact, a lot of people have found they've had their worst year. American investors have four stocks since the Great Recession, at least for some people. Well, Mark Chaikin, he has built a stock picking system that's accurately identified the top 10 stocks months in advance for a long time. Have you heard of Mark Chaikin? If you haven't, you're missing out on something big. He built the stock indicator system that Wall Street uses to find winning stocks. And right now, his system has identified a new 
top stock buy. You know what it is? It's a little known AI stock. No, it's not NVIDIA, which is the current darling of AI on the stock market. It's an overlooked AI company trading for one twelfth the price of NVIDIA, but it already has lucrative partnerships with big players like Microsoft. Visit Stock Market Warning 500.com, Stock Market Warning 500.com to get the details, including the name and ticker of this new recommendation from Mark Chaikin. It's 100% free. Why not give it a shot? Check it out. Mark Chaikin's record has been pretty darn good. Chaikin's system is the gold standard for investment research, quality, and accuracy. And the last time he gave away a free recommendation to the public, the stock he recommended jumped 66% in three months. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. Go check out what Mark Chaikin has to offer at stockmarketwarning500.com. Stockmarketwarning500.com. All right. When we come back from the commercial break, up first, Congressman Glenn Grothman, a private and exclusive conversation with Amanda Head and I last night that'll get you right up to date on the budget showdown working across Capitol Hill and the Marble Asylum that is the U.S. Capitol. We'll have that in a few minutes. All right, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back, America. We promised you some breaking news tonight. And boy, do we have it live from the Capitol Hill just after he emerged from a meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, one of our good friends of the show. He's a key voice on the House Oversight Committee, a key voice for Common Sense in America, Wisconsin Congressman Glenn Grothman joins us on the phone right now. He just stepped out of the meeting. Congressman, welcome to the show. Well, glad to be on the show. And I guess I have to say I'm glad to be out of the uh, hour long here, uh, hour long meeting. Wow. Can you give us a little sense of where the Republicans are, where Kevin, what idea Kevin well, McCarthy may have? You know, earlier today, we, we, we suffered a big disappointment. You know, we wanted to uh, keep the government open, but we wanted to condition that right. on closing the border. And unfortunately, 21 people, for whatever reason, uh, did not go along with that. We know the American public does not want to shut down the border. And I think there was a consensus that one way or the other, the border, uh, I'm sorry, one way or the other, uh, I think the, the, uh, the public wants to shut down the border, but right. the, the public does not want to close the, uh, close the government. Right. And I think one way or the other, we will not have a government shutdown this weekend. Wow, that's big news. So what are some of the avenues, if we could just follow up real quickly for uh, there, what avenues well, are we could, there? We, we could introduce our own bill or we could accept the bill coming over from the Senate. I think we'd yep. rather introduce our own bill. And... Uh, I think by doing that, we'll we'll delay this. But we are going to try to do what we can from here on out on the appropriation bills, focus primarily on the border. That's the most important thing to save our country. We know to this point, every step of the way, uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats have tried to keep the border open. You know, we're, we're sitting here with well over 200,000 people a month streaming across the border. I met earlier today with uh, representatives of the uh, Border Patrol Union, they're seeing more people coming from Russia, more people coming from China, real disaster. Uh, and we're just going to have to fight them every step of the way in what we call the appropriations process. We are putting together the budget for the calendar year beginning October 1st. We're going to double down and try to show the difference between the Republicans and Democrats there and hopefully embarrass the Democrats into action there. We had hoped we could get the Democrats um to agree to close the border or have serious changes in the law uh, as part of the continuing resolution. Like I said, sadly, that went down today because the Republicans themselves couldn't get their act together. But uh, we feel good where we are right now. We, we feel very good that we're not going to be blamed for a shutdown because we're going to find some way to make sure there is no shutdown. And we look forward to negotiations 
on the border in the future and doing all we can to highlight the differences between the parties. Uh, it, it's so unfortunate, you know, we're over two years into Joe Biden's term and over 200,000 people, but there was consensus of, I would say, everybody in the room, some people weren't in the room, but consensus of everybody in the room that we have to find a way tomorrow to vote for some sort of continuing resolution. Wow, that is big news. Mm. Yeah. And nary a Democrat voted for that CR earlier today. We know that Democrats, if if there is or was a sh- what was to be a shutdown, uh, that Democrats were definitely going to message on it's all Republicans' fault. If there's not a shutdown, how do you message to sling, you know, how, how do you message on the fact that not a single Democrat voted for this? Well, you're exactly right. And the intent originally, and I agree with Kevin wholeheartedly on this, the intent originally was to pass a bill similar to what failed today about three weeks ago. So we would have had a three-week buildup. The public would have all, we believe, largely sided with the Republicans and said, hey, look, we've got to close the border. We've got to start building the wall again. We're going to solve this problem. Unfortunately, there were always a few Republicans who wouldn't go on board, and today we lost 21 Republicans on the floor uh, because they for a variety of reasons, maybe they wanted bigger cuts in spending. We did have a cut in spending on the bill today, but they wanted still larger cuts in spending, uh, or they wanted to make sure we uh, they were going to not vote for anything because we were not in during August, and they objected to that. Well, to me, that's, that's ancient history. But uh, we do believe we are going to be in a very strong position when it comes to negotiations on our appropriations bills. We do not want a shutdown because we are afraid if things shut down, the public will focus on the shutdown and stop focusing on the border. And we want to continue to put the focus on the border. Understand? Wow, that's a pretty big moment. Sir, I want to turn to the border because you did one of the most important oversight hearings that I can remember in 2023, the revelation that there are tens of thousands of children who entered this country without parents under the Biden administration's watch, and then the United States government lost uh, track of them in an era where there's drug abuse and drug trafficking and sex trafficking and human trafficking. Can you give us an update? I know you continue to press for answers. One of the most poignant stories to come out of Congress this year was that hearing. Give us an update on what you're learning. Well, that's one of the, well, we do have about 9,000 unaccompanied minors coming across the border uh, every month. And we know that there are tens of thousands of minors that the government has lost track of. And that's one of the things we're desperately going to try to to take care of as we negotiate with the Democrats. We do not want to accept any more unaccompanied minors coming in this country. I mean, my goodness, somebody shows up who's 15 years old and we accept them, and we really aren't even keeping track of who their guardians are. That's awful, but that's the Biden plan. And I think it's his plan because they want to get as many people in this country to change America as quickly as possible. And if it's a 15-year-old without an adult, Fine, we'll take a 15-year-old without an adult. It's just horrible. And uh, we had hoped to take care of that as part of a CR. Like I said, the Republicans sadly could not get 218 people, congressmen, to vote for that. So we're gonna, just going to have to negotiate it with the Democrats. Folks, when we come back, yep, my good friend, 
Cash Patel going to be here to talk about his new book, Government Gangsters. A lot of big reveals, also some ideas for curing a government that feels to many people out of control, weaponized, politicized, beyond repair. Cash Patel has some thoughts. He worked inside it. He knows how it works. He's going to give you some good ideas right after these commercial messages. Right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. An exciting thing happened this week. We've been predicting it for a while. It actually happened. Our good friend Cash Patel dropped his brand new book, Government Gangsters. When we talk about weaponization, there's go- this is going to be the Bible for people who want to understand how our government has been turned against its people, how it's been used to settle political scores instead of address legal issues or regulatory issues. I'm telling you, this is going to become the Bible for what's wrong with government and how to fix it. And we're lucky right now to get a firsthand account from Cash about what's in the book and what is going to be of discussion in this country over the next few weeks. Cash, welcome back. Congratulations on the launch of the book. John, thanks so much for having me on the program and, of course, being a supportive of the book, Government Gangsters. And you're right. It's finally here after Biden administration's 10-month blockade and the federal lawsuit. You got to wonder what they didn't want you to read. <laughs> yeah. In fact, to remind people that because this this was in a pre-publication uh, purgatory for a long time, right? Yeah. As a government employee, you know, with a security clearance, you have to submit your, manu- your manuscript to the government, which I'm fine with. You review private information and all that, but it takes two to three months. It's amazing that Bill Barr, Mark Esper, um, Mark Milley, and everybody else can zip through the clearance and review process. But me, 10 months later... Um, I had to hire attorneys, go to federal court, sue them. And as soon as I took them to federal court, all their pretextual bogus arguments disappeared. Oh, national security secrets and redactions and privacy. And do you know that less than 0.05% of this book is now redacted? So that shows you their true intent. They never wanted it out because the content that's in there is just um, brutal truth that destroys the deep state. And I put the receipts in the back of the book. The government's own documents, Bowser Pelosi letters, Capitol Police, DOD. It's uh, it's hot stuff that America needs. It is, and and you know you have such an amazing vantage point. I can't think of anyone who's seen the government from more angles than you have. Right? You've worked in the White House on the National Security Council, running counterterrorism uh, operations. You were a federal prosecutor and a federal public defender. You were the chief, what, chief investigative counsel for the House Intelligence Committee when Devin Nunes and you unraveled the FBI caper known as Russia collusion. And we know that turned out to be a big bogus Christopher Steele story. Uh, and uh, and then you, you were chief of staff to the Pentagon. So you got to see the whole military apparatus and, and separate your visibility into how government works and how it has morphed into an attack arm for certain political ideologies and political players. Uh, it's You really have a 360 degree a view of it. What do you think is the top line you want people to take away from the book? Yeah, I, 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 what, I, what I wanted to have happened was never write a book about the deep state because I didn't want it to be so true and so pervasive. But the reality is, you know, my career that you just outlined, the one thing I learned is that as soon as Donald Trump won, the deep state reared up everywhere, every one of those places you just named. And it was a collaboration. It wasn't a one-off or an isolated tunnel incident. They were all working together to kneecap Donald Trump, to leak, unclass, to leak classified information, to get false media narratives out there and rig presidential elections. So the top line is in order to obliterate the deep state together, we must do it as a team. We must defeat the fake news and we must get the truth out for the American people. And the starting point, I think the central tenet um, of going forward is the two-tier system of justice that they have created. 
They have weaponized intelligence and law enforcement to target Americans based on their beliefs, based on who they're politically voting for and supporting, based on the fact that they might go to church and be labeled a domestic violence terrorist by Chris Ray and this FBI. These are not right wing conspiracies anymore, John. All of the things you laid out happened and half of America still doesn't know about them because they were lied to by the fake news mafia. So we have to go out there. And that's the large impetus of government gangsters. Yes, there's some fun stories about my ride through government in there and serving Donald Trump and, and all that. But it lays out the roadmap on how to take these agencies and departments on and more importantly, how to take on the fake news. Because if we don't do both, we are never going to defeat the deep state, but we need your help. So hopefully they get copies. That's really a key piece of this, right? Which is that at the end of the day, um, we have to have a solution for fixing it. And the enablers for this entire system, going back to 2016, when they started to think Adam Schiff's um, fake Russia collusion story, the news media, the news media have done more to mislead the American people about really essential things. I mean, look, think about just how much the Biden story has changed in the last six months. Um, do, what do you think are some of the most important solutions you put on the table in this book that the next presidential administration, and the next Congress are going to be able to to actually implement and make a difference? Well, you're, uh, as you highlighted, it is a three branch effort. It is not just personnel in the executive branch. That's a big piece of it. And I talk to people, and that's why I index in the book, Government Gangsters, all of the government gangsters by name and title and what they did to fail America. Not because I just want to call them out just to be scoring political points. I could care less about that. I want everyone to know how they failed and who they're associated with. So when the next Trump administration comes in, they're not picked and their friends aren't picked because it's not a Republican or Democratic thing. It's an entrenched D.C. bureaucracy. The other thing, Congress has to, you know, get a buzzsaw when it comes to constitutional oversight. And we're not doing it right now. And that's a conversation for another day. But there are so many measures they have, especially when they control the purse swings, to make government gangsters like Ray and Garland come to heel when they violate congressional subpoenas and break the law. They're allowing them to do that. We cannot do that. And then in the judiciary, and there's a whole lot more. But luckily for folks, I took the whole book and summarized how to fix government in five pages in the back of the book. And um, hopefully that's the, what Donald Trump was referring to as a roadmap for it. But here's the consequential thing that people are going to find. Ah, they'll probably yell at me for it. But you got to start impeaching federal judges who have rubber stamped this weaponization of justice, whether it's Jan 6, whether it's a baseless prosecution of Donald Trump or the unlawful investigation of me as a senior congressional staffer. You have to show people that it happened, but the judge It's still breathtaking to think that happened. Yeah, but the judges allowed it and Congress has the power to impeach some of them and they need to do that. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. I was thinking of you this morning when the word uh, arrived that Senator Dianne Feinstein had a pass. And again, obviously, she comes from a different political perspective than you and President Trump and others. But she got to witness weaponization of government firsthand when the John Brennan CIA literally hacked into the Senate's computers to try to take information on their uh, CIA uh, torture waterboarding investigation. Such a jaw-dropping intrusion on the oversight uh, and independence of Congress uh, that I, I'm sure our founding fathers would have uh, turned in the ground on. And yet there was really no consequence. John Brennan said no one got punished. Um, it's one of those anecdotes that I think further gets at the idea of, of government gangsters. I mean, just think about that. Executive branch says, I'm just going to hack into uh, the, the Senate computers and find out what they're doing. Um, when, uh, as you look back, has any lessons been learned from that episode? Your phone records now being taken as part during the House Intelligence Russia collusion case. It seems as though uh, they're more emboldened today than ever before. 
Yeah, the only lesson is the deep state is not quiet and, and surreptitious. They're out there in the open and they're in your face because they've gotten away with it for so long. And that's why it's not a Democrat or Republican thing. But those forces have galvanized together behind the Get Trump movement that they are justifying their continued um, gaslighting of the Constitution and unlawful surveilling of us. And if you don't think they're working on Russiagate 27.0 to rig another presidential election, you haven't been paying attention for the last 20 years. It's just on hyperdrive right now. And the lesson we learned that we must learn together is we got to go out there and not say I told you so to the American public. And government gangsters gives you the ammunition to say, here's the truth. Here are the receipts. Here are what they did to us. That is not a lie. That is not an Adam Schiff version of the truth. And they're going to do it to us again unless you, the American public, get involved and tell Congress what you want them to be doing and mobilizing your communities and local uh, political events and say, these are the priorities to take back our country. That's the whole point of government gangsters is to remove the criminals that are in government. The American public has demanded accountability for the people like Comey, Strzok, Page and every other government gangster I name who broke the law. And we haven't seen any of it. And I think that's what's taking off Americans the most. Yeah, this is big stuff. And um, uh, the idea, the big it's a big idea to impeach judges. We've very seldom done it in the history of this country. Uh, maybe Alcee Hastings was one I can remember in my lifetime, but there aren't many. Uh, and of course he failed and became a congressman after that. So imagine that, uh, what a perfect, what a perfect, uh, statement about, uh, punishment in America. Do you have a, uh, favorite anecdote? One anecdote you put in the book that you go, you know what? This captures the essence of what's wrong with government gangsterisms. Uh, any favorite anecdote that you want people to really turn to when they, when they get a copy of this book? Yeah, I think they'll see that I write that there are no coincidences in government. There are no coincidences, for example, when the mass media moves against Joe Biden and wants our Congress to do the dirty work. And then the solution is mission first. You'll see that over and over in the book. People go to government because it's a it's a privilege to serve. And when you violate that privilege, you must be removed and sent to prison when you break the law. And that accountability is wholly failing because people have failed to put the mission first. And we got to get that ethos back. That's what Government Gangsters is all about. I think people are going to have a blast. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm humbled that Donald Trump and you all were so supportive of the book and helping it roll out. We hit top 10 this week. We're Did you already? Wow. Going. Let's get it to number yeah, one. Wait, hey, let's not stop till it's number one. It has to be yeah. number one. Because it's, it's, listen, <laughs> well, this the is the Bible. Will, the liberals will melt down if we do that. But yeah, I'm all well, for they're, it. <laughs> they're probably already melting down over the fact that their little sham on the Joe Biden scam uh, is getting uh, unraveled day by day. Uh, you can you can see it right now. Um, I want to uh, step back just for a second. I hadn't had a chance to talk about this since this revelation, but I know how much you understand um, uh, the uh, national security implications of corruption, because it isn't just uh, a government weaponized against its people. That's big, serious stuff. It isn't just that we have corruption that uh, allows people to get rich at the expense of others. Uh, when we some of the things that we now know the Joe Biden family was doing also have significant security um, uh, risks and uh, threats to us. And uh, you have been, uh, I think, one of the most prescient voices on China going all the way back to your times at House Intel. The uh, the revelation this week from the FBI interview of James Biden that the brother of the president 
Yes, they were getting millions of dollars from CEFC, a China company. Yes, they were helping it buy up strategic energy <laughs> and gas resources in the Gulf of Mexico, in Louisiana, which is interesting. The Bidens are okay that China gets it, just not Americans. Uh, but the third part, the one that caught me most was James Biden's acknowledgement that they understood and knew that the chairman of CEFC was directly tied to the communist president of China. They knew it, this was a government connected, communist government connected company. Uh, and yet they had no problem for making money trying to help them suck up our strategic gas uh, resources, technologies, um, thinking of the audaciousness of it. And also the fact that Joe Biden said, no, there was no China stuff with my family. That's a lie. And we now know it wasn't just he, he was lying. But uh, the idea that China could get that sort of uh, concierge service from the Biden family, uh, th there are real national security implications, aren't there? Well, that's the biggest threat of it all, right? Their hypocrisy knows no bounds. And because the deep state is part of this cover-up, because of the cover-up is worse than the crime, they have allowed the Bidens for 55 years to build the United States of America. And when we call them out on it, you have people shouting out from the bleachers, what evidence, what evidence? You just outline stone-cold evidence, and the media won't cover it. And when Congress has the ability... No, it's crazy. It is. And then Congress has the ability right now to correct that and, and do what you just did in 30 seconds. They haven't done in nine, in nine months. And they're, when they, time, they take their chance to kill the king, they miss. And you get AOC waxing the floor with them. You get three witnesses from the Republicans who we've never heard of. Where the, It took them nine months to subpoena the bank, to decide to subpoena Hunter Biden's bank records. Why don't we do that nine months ago so you can walk those out and say, here they are. And nine months to get a letter out from the FBI that showed the U.S. attorney and the FBI collaborating to remove Joe Biden's name from a criminal search warrant that had probable cause to execute. Where are those witnesses? Why aren't you subpoenaing them? I mean, what you and I are talking about is just the erosion of justice at the expense of everyday Americans and our Congress, a Republican-led majority, won't do the work necessary. And that's why I think you do what you do and I, will, I do what I do in writing government gangsters. We have to go out there and do the work, go to court, get the documents, and do the work for Congress because they are failing to do it right now for the American people. And yes, I'm calling out a lot of my friends in Congress right now, and they're probably not going to send me Christmas cards this year. But uh, I don't care about the holiday circuit parties. I care about saving this country. That's really what's at stake here. These are core fundamental issues. One last one, because you played such a big role. Word out of Great Britain today that Donald Trump, 45th president, sued a name you're pretty familiar with, <laughs> Christopher Steele and Orbis, actually using the same theory of the case that two Russian banker businessmen succeeded in winning a lawsuit against Christopher Steele over the whole Alpha Bank charade. Uh, it's an interesting moment, uh, your reaction to the lawsuit against Christopher Steele. Good, good. I hope there's more. It's like my lawsuit against uh, Chris Ray and, and Merrick Garland for uh, and DOJ and Rod Rosenstein, excuse me, for unlawfully surveilling me. I think everybody needs, they are using lawfare baselessly to come after us. We have the law and the facts on our side and we aren't going on offense. So I'm glad to see Donald Trump doing it. Hopefully it encourages more to do it. But most importantly, he's not doing it for the money. People are going to see for the first time, because they haven't been paying attention in five years, that Christopher Steele was bought and paid for by the Democratic National Party. And then they bamboozled the FBI, who lied to a federal court, to get before a judge who was assigned an unlawful surveillance law. So many people don't know that story. And the details of it, I give a firsthand account for the first time in Government Gangsters, because I've never really written about it. So there might be some new stuff in there, John. Uh oh, I'm going to roll up my sleeves this weekend. I got my <laughs> copy. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm so excited, too. You're working with my publisher, Postal Press. I'm such a big fan of them. They're great. Uh, they are. Uh, they're great editors. And, of course, the, the book I did a couple of years ago, the experience I had with them was amazing. They're just good people. 
Uh, it's kind of fun. I was thinking about this. Uh, I'm talking to my wife about this last night. You did a children's version of this already. I mean, government gangsters boiled down to children. It's really the plot to kill the king, right? It's the Russia story told for children. But now you got the adult version with lots of chock full <laughs> ideas and some solutions. It's pretty exciting. I want to throw one last one at you just because a lot of the people I'm talking to Congress uh, are on it. Uh, Joe Biden gives $6 billion away to Iran uh, trade uh, and does a five for five trade. Uh, immediately, Iran goes and, and pulls out atomic inspectors from the U.N., Boy, that's not a great way to reciprocate and say thanks if you're serious about peace. Uh, but then this revelation that there's a Defense Department official who may have, uh, is mentioned in, in Iranian uh, uh, records as maybe being an influence agent. Uh, why not more action? And how concerning as a guy who used to be the chief of staff of the Pentagon that a person like that might be embedded in the Pentagon of all places? And that's what it all goes to, our national security. That's the mission from the approach of government gangsters. Because at the end of the day, I don't care about the politics and I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. But when you fail to do the job that you is a privilege to do, which is serve, this is what happens. You have people who go in there. And unlike Donald Trump, who, res who rescued 54 hostages and detainees, more than every president before him combined, without paying the mullahs a single dollar, this administration comes in and does the political convenient thing, which says we're going to do the opposite of Trump so we can claim victory in the media. They gave $6 billion to the terrorists in Iran who are now using it to fund operations against American service members and American interests overseas. They have, they have literally revved up their nuclear program and taken out the last pit of oversight we had with UN operators after Joe Biden gave them $6 million. And then the Biden administration has the audacity to say, we're going to police where this funds go. How's that going for you in the Ukraine? Obviously a story for another day. But the most concerning part is what you noticed, a high-level Defense Department official or nominee has has been caught in cable traffic, as we call in the intelligence community, about communications with the Ayatollahs in Iran, the individuals that killed more American service members in modern history than anyone else, and everyone thinks that's okay. Don't you think the $6 billion is going to do further damage than that? And how is it that this individual, this government gangster, is able to proceed up the ranks of government? Probably because they were in on it with Jake Sullivan from the beginning, uh, with Russiagate and everybody, everything else is my guess, and they've been rewarded for their conduct, and now they're taking a victory lap. It's always good that Americans are home, but the question is, what does that cost to American national security, and how many other enemies of ours are going to start taking Americans now, knowing that they can get the payday of their lifetime? Terrorism's on the rise, Iran's on the rise, Russia and China are on the rise, and those are all intentionally done because of Joe Biden's failures as commander-in-chief. How cool is that? It is. Those are the most important pieces of this um, conversation. Being able to understand, get everyone to understand that in real in real time is, I think, one of the great opportunities that this book has had. I'm just so excited about it. Folks, do me a favor. Go to governmentgangsters.com. You love cash. We love having him on the show. I know this because the numbers go up every time he comes on. <laughs> go to governmentgangsters.com. Go buy the book today. You know what I did? I ordered an autographed copy because I want I want to make him write something to me. Go match me on that one because he is witty. He's fun. The inscription will um, will make you laugh. And the book will make you think, which I think is such an important thing. We got to think about not only how bad it is and educate all of our fellow Americans, but also we got to start getting these solutions in place. Bitching and whining at it isn't the only thing here. And what's great about Cash's book is that he comes up with real solutions like the one you just talked about, uh, impeaching judges who don't enforce the law and play politics. Uh, that would send a message. Do a couple of those. Watch how quickly the judiciary system changes. Great book. Uh, governmentgangsters.com. Go buy it. Go match me. 
I want to see if I can get a thousand people to go out and buy this book, the autograph version, because then I know Cash Well Writers Cramp will have to come on the show again. So it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> Cash, congratulations. This is a great public service. We're really excited, my friend. Thank you, my friend. I'll be back soon. And thanks for pushing Government Gangsters. Really appreciate it. Well. It's a very important book. All right, folks, one more good one to go. I do mean it. We've got a really good one to finish up the day. We had this interview just a few days ago with Tristan Levitt, the lawyer for Gary Shapley, the IRS whistleblower who changed the course of history in the Hunter Biden case. Tristan Levitt will be up next right after these messages. Tristan Levitt, the president of the Empower Oversight Whistleblower Center is with us. Tristan, there is a lot to take in here. What are your top lines from these documents So, what the American people should take away about what we now know about our president and his family? Well, there's really an extensive collection of documents here. And of course, as you said, they come from both of the two different whistleblowers. They submitted different tranches of documents. And to me, the the there's kind of two top lines. One of them is just reinforcement of what these whistleblowers have already testified to. There's a lot of detail about their investigation. There are pieces of their earlier testimony that have been picked over and criticized. And now new documents help to substantiate you know, things that they shared in their initial testimony without documents. The second kind of top line overall is just that this was an extremely, extremely well-sourced uh, investigation and prosecution of Hunter Biden. And again, there are so many documents that connect uh, what Hunter was doing to his father um, in, in a lot of ways that are really, really troubling as you read through. So just very extensive documentation um, that the whole public can now see for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In black and white. Tristan, there's another top line for me as well, because as, as John mentioned in these communications with Hunter Biden, and he talks about you know, obviously protecting his greatest asset, his father, the family name, the family brand, however you want to say it. Um, but blood is thicker than water. Uh, in this case, I guess blood is thicker than liquefied natural gas. But this is Joe Biden's brother. It's his brother, James. And I have to think to myself, is there room for the notion that this is just the tip of the iceberg and the truth extends far beyond what he has told. There certainly is. I mean, in any interview, um, you know, you get only the information that that a witness provides. And so there's some interesting questions that are asked of James. But fundamentally, you go back to what the whistleblowers alleged to begin with, which is some of the most interesting avenues that they could have explored were were blocked by prosecutors. And so your your interview questions for witness are only as good as the evidence you already have in front of you. And so we'll never know now whether if, you know, prosecutors had allowed investigators to pursue some of these leads. For instance, if if prosecutors had informed the IRS agents of the bribery allegations in the FBI Form 1023 from a confidential human source that we know uh, Delaware prosecutors were briefed on, you know, perhaps they would have approached this differently. There are other avenues that they would have pursued. No doubt they would have had different questions for James Biden, but that didn't happen because that information was never passed on to the investigators. And in fact, some of what Special Agent Shapley revealed today, or is in those these documents from him, is that Leslie Wolf, the assistant U.S. attorney in Delaware, not only, um, you know, uh, it doesn't appear that she did anything to to follow up on the information she received about the bribery allegations. She put off that information for weeks. She she told investigators she didn't think it mattered at all. It was just disinformation that Rudy Giuliani had been misled by. And so she was refusing to even take the briefing from the Pittsburgh U.S. Attorney's Office, 
even though its whole purpose was to whittle down to the best information and then to pass that along where it needed to go. And so, you know, no surprise that she did nothing with this information if she had judged it before she even received it. Yeah, and there's so much more in the obstruction. I got to tell you, agents normally get to do what they want to do. They have these techniques. They're trained in academy. They use them for years. Uh, and, and, and Gary Shapley and Joe Ziegler, you had two very experienced agents who were at the top of their game. I mean, the IRS considered these two of their very best. That's why they get assigned to this case. And you see things like you can't ask about a, a direction. This is a direct direction from Leslie Wolf. You can't ask about uh, political figure number one, which is, as we now know, Joe Biden. All right, if you can't ask about one of the main figures of this, how are you going to do your investigation? There's clearly uh, questions about the search warrant, what they want to narrow the scope down to. It seems like the prosecutors not only lacked curiosity, they were throwing roadblocks in, into anything that led to the future president of the United States, Joe Biden. Am I misreading that uh, from these early documents? I have the same read. And, you know, it's it's interesting because there are certain times where Leslie Wolf does, um, you know, right. does further investigative leads. So when the FBI said we want to cut down and do a certain number of interviews. So it seems like she was focused in on, OK, here's this tax case we're going to bring and nothing more. We're not going beyond these tax charges for Hunter Biden. And that's really problematic because the tentacles of this seem to you know stretch in a lot of different directions. And Leslie Wolf seems to have really been an impediment to those being investigated. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I think a really great visual for us to give to our audience would be a menu of services from the Biden family uh, so that people could really discern exactly how much things cost. Um, and as we were talking about before we came to air, the, as far as Hunter Biden's involvement, that an introduction alone ran, what, $10 million a year. This was from 2017. Joe Biden was out of office, but it's clear that the weight of his political office was still very lucrative. That was a specific email he sends that his understanding was he was going to get these fees just purely for introductions, 10 million a year, with a guarantee of 30 million. And again, it's from China. He knew where this money was coming from. He knew about the ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Um, but again, that Biden family brand was clearly, clearly a very big selling point for these officials who wanted to gain access in the United States. And, you know, I earlier today we heard in a, in a press conference with the uh, House Ways and Means Chairman uh, Jason Smith questions about why this mattered once Joe Biden was out of office. But I think what this really illustrates is even out of office, Joe Biden's connections to the U.S. government are so substantial that Hunter could cash in on them at the rate of 10 million a year. It's just outlandish. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So you have corruption. All right, we got that. We got a cover up. We understand that. Agents be black. There's a third angle, the third C that I think jumped out at me to the campaign finance. We first started hinting at this last week of the story I wrote, but it looks like the agents saw a possible campaign finance violation that this lawyer, Kevin Morris, was paying off Hunter Biden's tax debts. And that felt like that was a benefit to the campaign that exceeded campaign contributions. They didn't get uh, very much warmth from the prosecutors when they tried to present this case. What was going on there? So previously, Special Agent Shapley had identified that in May of 2021, after these initial interviews uh, in 2020, um, that they they had become aware of these payments by uh, Kevin Patrick Morris. And so, again, previously out there is him saying in, in that early stage of 2021, they wanted to pursue this. And Leslie Wolf said no. Um, even by the beginning of 2022, so we've released new notes um, to Congress, and Congress has voted to release those to the public that show that Leslie Wolf continued to object to pursuing that, that she didn't want other people looking over her shoulder like DOJ's public integrity unit. And of course, this is significant because you look at, for instance, the interview with James Biden um, that the committee has released, yeah. and he specifically says in there that, 
you know, he he thought he didn't know why the money was going from he basically said he didn't know how Kevin Morris came along and and why he was so interested in this, but that he was asked by Hunter Biden to specifically say to Kevin Patrick Morris, thank you, quote unquote, on behalf of the family. And so, again, how how this came about that Morris agreed to pay these loans, the timing of that and whether that constituted a campaign donation, given the run up to the 2020 election is very significant. Mm -hmm. All right, folks, that wraps up our Saturday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Go check out Justin News, the website at justinnews.com or download the Justin News apps from the Apple and Android stores. We'll keep you up to date on all the machinations that are going on on Capitol Hill. Ah, it's going to be a busy weekend to shut down or not to shut down. That is a question, said political Shakespeare. We'll see what happens. Certainly some good insights from Congressman Glenn Grothman just a little while ago. Hey, one other remember, I remember Mark Chayton. He's got some great ideas. Ideas. If you want to find out what Mark Chaikin is recommending, one of the great stock gurus in America, go right now to stockmarketwarning500.com. Stockmarketwarning500.com. Uh, he's got some ideas on some new hot AI stock. Uh, and he'll tell you about that if you go to that website. You get it for free. You decide whether you like what he has to say. He's got quite a track record, I'm told, from people in the past. All right. That wraps up Saturday. Have a good weekend. Sunday, we'll have a great edition. A lot of great guests coming on air, including Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson from North Carolina. Oh, what an interview. He's got some ideas about what wins with voters, what doesn't win. He goes dives right into the abortion issue and also the issue of free speech gun rights and so much more. It's a great interview. We'll kick that off at the top of the show on Sunday. And then Lee Zeldin, former congressman, man who fought the impeachment battles and unraveled Russia collusion alongside of Devin Nunes. He's going to join us and a whole lot more. You can have a great, great interview on Sunday. A couple of congressmen and a lot more. So be sure to check in on the Brunch Inch edition tomorrow while you're getting ready for football. Have a good night. God bless. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.